Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Good morning, and welcome to Home Church. Uh, my name's Kenny. It's a great honor to be the lead pastor here. We're glad you're here. Um, we've been walking through a series uh, for the past several weeks here called House of Hope, where we've been, uh, the Lord gave me this idea in the summer where he helped me see that there's so many people who are lacking hope. There's just such hopelessness in the world. And uh, he led me to the faith chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And so for the past five weeks, we've been teaching through Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse by verse. And we're actually going to continue that. That's going to lead us almost all the way up to, to Christmas. Uh, around this idea that all of us need hope, and, and our hope, we need it in certain circumstances. And the Bible is good and faithful to provide us hope through Hebrews chapter 11 in so many different circumstances that we're all going to encounter. And in God's goodness, and his kindness, and his mercy, his grace, and his perfect timing, uh, he is aligned today for a, a, a very timely topic. Um, and so today, for the first time ever, and, and maybe for the last time ever, uh, I'm actually going to teach a little on the end times. Um, as many of you are aware, there is a lot happening in our world that has uh, maybe drummed this up a little more. There, it's the question I get asked the most about, especially with uh, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, all these things happening all around us. People are asking the question, are, are we in the end times? And so uh, it, it's, it's interesting because it's not something that I would just bring up and talk about just kind of on a whim, but um, as we were walking through this series and as it kind of lined up with everything that's happened in our world over the last few weeks, uh, God's made it clear that this is the right time to, to walk through this. And I want to show you how it lines up. And man, this, just, this isn't of my making. This is, if you've been walking with us, you'll see how this falls right in the line of where God's been taking us. And so, I, I, listen, if you're new with us today, um, normally I, I try to be a little funny. Normally I uh, have a nice little story to start us off with. I'll tie it together at the end. Not so much today. And normally I have uh, a little bit of a preaching style uh, again, not so much today. I'm going to actually stay fairly close to my notes because I want to be uh, articulate and accurate today. Um, I want to teach today more than preach. Um, and I pray that the Word of God, and by the way, there's going to be a lot of it, um, and very little, if any, of my opinion. Um, and so if you have your Bible, you're going to want it. And if you don't, uh, I encourage you, one of three ways. Pull up the YouVersion app. There's a live event happening right now. You can follow along with the Scripture. It's important. Uh, Home Church has its own app. There are sermon notes. You can see all of the scripture. If you don't have any of those three, there's going to be scripture on the screens. And if you're watching online, it's going to be at my feet so that you can see what the Word of God says and not just take my word for it. Fair enough? So uh, we've been in the series, House of Hope, teaching through Hebrews 11. And so I want to start there. Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bible, go there. Um, and then I'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads up. If you're a Bible flipper, we're going to go uh, to Genesis and then we're going to uh, come back to Matthew. All right? So Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 is where our, our root scripture is for this whole series. And here's what it says in Hebrews 11 and 1. It talks about faith and it talks about hope. And it says, now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So this whole chapter starts there talking about the definition of faith. It is what we hope for, the thing that we have to hold on to. And it gives us assurance about things that we have not and cannot see. 
And so today, we're going to continue along this line, and we're at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, and here's what that says. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about these things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he, commended the, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter 6. And so I'm going to take you to three different places today. So many of you know a lot about the story of Noah. I want to hit a little bit of it. But in context, the, sto- the story of Noah is about a, God, a man that God found righteous in a wicked world. And he told Noah to start to build and prepare an ark that he was actually going to destroy the earth with water. He told Noah to build an ark and, you know, put all the animals two by two and his family in the ark. And and then God did that. He destroyed the earth with water um, to to wipe it clean of its wickedness. And so this is, so number one, I'm going to go three places today. Number one is this, is where have we been? Okay, where have we been? And where we've been starts back with Noah's story. So Genesis chapter 6, I'll give you a second to get, get there. Genesis chapter 6, this is the, uh, the account of Noah. In fact, that's how it starts in verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Uh, now on earth, now, excuse me, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people of the earth and had corrupted their ways. Verse 13, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I surely, I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So this is God telling Noah what's about to happen. Skip down to chapter 6, verse 17. I'm going to bring floodwaters. This is God continuing to speak. I'm bringing, uh, going to bring floodwaters on the earth and destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, he's talking to Noah, and you will enter the ark and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. So this is, the, the reason that we, this is so timely that as we walk through this is because a lot of people are asking about the end of days, and, and it's amazing how in God's timing we look at the first time that the, basically the world ended, right? How it brings us around to this full circle idea of the end of the, the, end of the age, the end of all times. And Noah, who again was found righteous, dealt and walked through a situation similar, but for us, we're looking forward to what's coming, okay? And, and we have questions, I love that the scripture says that Noah was found righteous and then he was found faithful because he did what God asked even when he couldn't see it. Before the first raindrop fell, before the first uh, starting of the flood, Noah was faithful to do what God asked him to do, to take care of his family and in holy righteousness he lived and walked faithfully for what God said and God saved him, saved his family and created a new covenant which all peoples were blessed from from there, right? So, so I, I want you to, to see this, that there, there was this wickedness, there was a righteous man, and, and then uh, God fulfilled his promise, he destroyed the earth, and then he made a covenant with Noah. It's called the Noahic, excuse me, I'm, my mouth's a little, the Noahic covenant. I got a little, can't get the C out there for you. And so uh, God makes covenants, and he's made them along the way, we're going to hit on a few today, uh, and he makes these covenants, and the covenant here was that he wouldn't destroy the earth again. 
Now, many of you know this, especially because this is very controversial in our day and time as well, uh, around the idea of the rainbow, right? And how the rainbow is significant and symbolic for something. Well, uh, as Christians, we know that the rainbow is symbolic for God's promise to us, but many of us don't understand it in its context. So uh, one of the reasons that we don't understand it is because when we, uh, when we read it in Scripture, God said that he would put his uh, rainbow in the sky. Really, that's actually a, not a great translation. It's actually just the word bow. And in this, in this culture uh, of destroying uh, and in this moment, Noah would have this understanding that, yes, there is a rainbow, but what God was uh, alluding to was the idea of destruction. So I have a, I have a bow here. I want to... I want to show you. Can you hand that to me, please? So I've got this bow here, and uh, my friend Tyler let me borrow this. And, and this bow is what his son used to knock down one the other day, <laughs> right? And so when you see this, you and I know this as a weapon, a, a form of, of, of destruction. And whether you agree with killing an animal or whatever that might be, it, it just is a reality that this is a weapon of destruction. And, and I'm not going to do this at anyone, but when I point this bow at someone and I pull it back, it, it is my sign of aggression in that direction, right? And so one of the things that we miss in the idea of the rainbow is not only God making a promise to Noah and the covenant that he wouldn't destroy the earth with water again, said he put a sign up there and it's a beautiful rainbow and we see it, but what we miss is that God actually turns the bow up towards him. Most people have never seen or understood this before. What God is saying to Noah in this moment is, I'm making such a promise with you that I'm turning my aggression away from the earth and away from people. I'm making such a promise that I'm going to put a bow in the sky, and the bow is actually going to point towards me as a reminder of the covenant and the agreement that I've made with you that I won't destroy the earth with water again. And so when you see a rainbow, certainly, I think you should see God's grace and mercy in the sky, his, his forgiveness and his kindness in the sky. But you should also see it as a reminder that God has made a covenant and a promise with Noah that he wouldn't destroy the earth again. So in our day, we know that the earth is going to end again. We just do. We, we, we know that that's going to happen. Um, but many of us have questions around, well, well how is that going to happen? We know one way it's not. We know that God has made a promise that he won't destroy it with water again. So it leads us to, now, we, we kind of know where we've been in some of these ways. Now I need to address where we are now, okay? Where we are now. There's a lot happening in our world, and many of this derives directly from a story in Scripture, okay? Um, many, many of you have, have seen and heard this before, but uh, there's a family that God institutes another covenant with, and it starts with a man named Abram. Abram is the, the, the father of our faith in a lot of ways. He is the founding father. He's, uh, you know, Father Abraham. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. So are you. Let's just praise the Lord, right? Well, many of us don't know a lot of that story. Some of you do. But the roots of what's happening in our world, especially right now in Israel, roots right back to this story I want to share with you. Um, Abraham is old, and he has this moment with God where God makes him a promise that he's going to make a, a he's going to bless him, he's going to have a family, and he's going to bless the world through Abraham and his family. 
Abraham's old, his wife is barren, they don't really believe it. So uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, gives Abraham permission to take as one of his wives, uh, one of their slaves named Hagar. Uh, And Hagar is an Egyptian slave. Uh, And so Abraham does that. He takes this woman, they have a child, and they name him Ishmael. And so this is where a lot of the problems start to happen. So if you go to Genesis chapter 16, we're going to see that there's problems that arise in Abraham's family because of this child. I promise, if, if you're new to church, you're new to all this, I'm going I'm I'm to pull all this stuff together, I promise. Hang with me. I know it's a lot of history and things like that, but it, but it does matter. It all comes together. Uh, verse Uh, Five, starting in in chapter 16. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant and despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. She's upset because Hagar is pregnant with what we'll know to to be named Ishmael. And and here's how the Bible describes Ishmael uh, in verse 12. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Okay, this is important, because we're going to come back to this. That this first son named Ishmael, this is how the Bible describes him, wild donkey of a man, he's going to be in opposition, he's going to put his hand towards everyone. Um, and then they, uh, God comes back to, to Abraham and says, no, 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 I actually have a son for you and Sarah. And you're going to name him Isaac. And here's what that looks like in chapter 17 of Genesis, starting in verse 19. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, or Esau. I will establish my covenant, here we go, word covenant again, with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you, because uh, Abraham is still a good father. He wanted his other son taken care of. Uh, verse 20, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. Uh, he will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear for you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from there. So we, we have Noah and the end of the world, basically, God makes a new covenant with him that he won't destroy the earth with water. Then we move a little forward in history, and God uh, encounters this this man named Abraham, and he makes a covenant and agreement with him, not his first son Ishmael, but his second son Isaac, that God would bless him and, and he would take care of the rest of the world through that. So we have these two brothers, Isaac and Ishmael. And as the scripture shares that there was this this difference between the two, this one that had been made this promise and the other who would be known as an opposer. And the reality is, is that when we look at Isaac, we see him as chosen, we see promise, we see covenant. When we see Ishmael, we see violence, we see wild, we see opposition, we see someone who's lost. So how how does all this make sense for today? Um, There's an organization uh, that over the last two weeks has been, uh, it has been growing over the last uh, century and decades, but over the last few weeks has come back into the news again for an attack on Israel. The name of that organization is, uh, it's known as Hamas. 
This is a, a, a sect of people. They are Islamic in root, and they root all the way back to Ishmael. Um, anyone who follows and, and assumes kind of the, the, the belief and the religion of Islam, it roots all the way back to Ishmael. So I want you to see something really interesting because this idea of Hamas, you've heard that name a lot because Hamas, a terrorist group, has uh, recently been attacking in Israel. Uh, and I'll get to kind of why that is, but I want you to see that this is actually shows up in Scripture, this name Hamas. So uh, these two stories that I just shared with you tie together around this actual one name. So in, in Noah's story, Genesis 6:11, this is going to be on the screen. Here's what it says. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. That word violence in the Hebrew actually is translated back to Hamas. The, the, the word Hamas actually has uh, multiple derivatives. Violence, violent, cruelty, wrong, false, cruel, damage, injustice, oppressor, unrighteous. That word in the Hebrew means and can translate into all of those different things. And we see it happen in the story of Noah. Why did God destroy the earth? Because there was such violence. There was this Hamas. So already before this organization even existed, this idea, this name, had the idea of violence, and it created destruction amongst the earth, so much so that God decided to destroy the earth. Shows up in Abraham's story as well. This is in chapter 16, verse 5. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. That, that word wrong in the Hebrew is Hamas. This idea of this, uh, she felt like such violence has been happening to her because of what Abraham did. Why? Because he slept with Hagar and they had Ishmael. This wrong that had been done to her, Hamas, fits with this boy who turned into a man, who ultimately turned into a nation and now has its roots in Islam. You see, I, I need you to understand what's happening in our day and time right now absolutely roots back all the way to these things. From the very beginning, back to Abraham and his two sons, this conflict around Israel and around Palestine and around, especially around like Islam have been opposing one another because of these two sons that everything rooted out of. A couple of things you need to know about uh, these things. Um, the conflict between Israel or Israelites and Palestinians, Muslims, Arabs, the separation came from Isaac and Ishmael originally, and it continues to this day. Uh, Islam is a religion of death. You will hear words like jihad, oppression, violence. You will hear Hamas. It's literally in the name of this one organization. Judaism, by the way, this is the, this is the faith of Abraham to the one true God, Yahweh, and has continued in the lineage. When we talk about Jews, when we talk about Jewish, when we talk about Judaism, when we talk about Israel, you need to connect all of those things together under this one idea that roots from Abraham, and this is the people of of Israel. These are the Jewish people. And oh, by the way, our Savior, Jesus Christ, was Jewish. I need you to wrap your head around that, okay? Our Savior was Jewish. So let me take a quick second and, and, say, and say this. Um, at the end of the day, uh, especially those of us that are believers, 
Anything anti-Semitic that goes against Jewish people is, listen, you are, you are speaking curses on where our Savior came from. So, listen, I will say this. At the exact same time, our, our Jewish friends, aside from having put their faith in Christ Jesus, are just as lost as anyone else does. So despite their lineage and their promise that God will find favor over them, which I, I believe is true, the reality is, is that they still need Jesus and to put their faith and trust in him as anyone else does. But you need to understand this separation and why we, especially as believers, why we hold so true and fast to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish people, because in, in this way, they are our brothers. They are our lineage. Judaism, a religion of the one true God, Yahweh, creator of all things, heaven and earth. Um, this is where Christians have our roots. Our Savior was Jewish. They are covenant people. They are people of God's covenant and promise. They are people of shalom, peace. When you meet uh, a Jewish friend, one of the first things that you will hear them say is shalom. Is the idea of peace. This is the roots. So these differences, this difference in opposition and violence and, and, and all of these other and injustice versus shalom and peace and the one true God. This is, this is what you're seeing. It's been there all along. It's just that the battle now has boiled down to over a fight over a piece of land. At least that's what they'll tell you. But I need you to see it's, it goes much deeper than a piece of land. The land is important. The land is critical. The nation of Israel is critical. These tensions have spanned back over these centuries to this family. Hamas, the name Hamas, it comes from the Islamic resistance movement. These are, uh, is based in Palestine, which is a, a, a little part of Gaza. I, I looked hard for a map to really show you the, to show you this. It's, it's, it's really difficult, but Gaza is just a little tiny part on the coast um, of Israel, and so it's basically, it's basically segmented off. It's got water on one side, Israel on the other, Egypt to the south. Small piece of land, and, uh, and so this is where all of this comes from. There's another group um, called Hezbollah. You've heard of this. These are, this is a terrorist organization that has attacked over, over the last decades, uh, Hezbollah, you need to understand, comes from the north, comes from Lebanon, north of Israel. And, and so now we, we have Israel, in essence, being attacked from both sides, from, from the south in Gaza, Palestine, and from the north, Lebanon, from Hezbollah. Hezbollah is the party of what they call Allah. They call Allah the one true God. Uh, Hezbollah started as a political party uh, in Lebanon, and it is funded and operated through the governments of Iran, Iraq, and Lebanon. So when you see these parties at play, Iran, Lebanon, Iraq, when you see them at play uh, in these wars, either uh, by name or by proxy, you need to understand what this, what's happening in these places because those are Islamic states. Those are states or countries that have Islamic roots at their forefront, Okay. These are names you'll hear all the time. Both of them carry with them Islamic viewpoints. They are what's called anti-Zionist. An anti-Zionist is someone who believes that 
that Zion, which is the mountain of God, which is Jerusalem, has no part to play for Israel. They don't want Israel to inhabit it. They don't want Israel to be a nation. They certainly don't want Israel to call it home and to say this is the place of God. So a lot of those things are rooted out of the idea of anti-Zionist. I know this is a lot, and I know this is a lot of political stuff. I know there's a lot of history. If you know me, I don't bring politics to the platform. But unfortunately, guys, the re- reality is, is like, this is the world we're living in. We need to be aware of these things, okay? Something really important happened in 1948. In 1948, uh, for the first time in uh, over 2,500 years, a nation named Israel came back into being. The, the idea of the Jewish people had been spread because of uh, so many different rulers and Babylonian rule and Persian rule and all these different things. Uh, they had been spread all, all over. But for the first time in 1948, uh, Jewish people, Israelis from all different tribes, rallied back together, came back together, and in 1948 declared themselves a state. Now, a country. That's a, when we think of states, we think of North, South Carolina, things like that. When I say state in the global world, we're talking about a country. In 1948, it became a country. That is a tremendously large deal, A, in Bible prophecy, and B, in the state of the world. For Israel to come together and to be a nation again set so many things into play that beforehand prophecies made no sense. Beforehand, it wasn't a big deal. These folks were just fighting over land. Then it moved from fighting over land into fighting nation against nation. This is a big deal. So, what does all that mean for us? Because that's where we are now. We talked about where we've been. We, we kind of have a, maybe a, at least a little bit of, man, I got an hour with you, okay? I can't give you everything, but a little bit of an understanding of where we are. So, here, here's the, kind of the next piece. What will happen and when? Because that's really the question most people have, is I think some people understand what's happened, most people kind of get an idea of, of some of what's going on, but, but more of us have the question of, okay, cool, got it, understand all that. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me raising my kids, running my business, going to work tomorrow? Like, what, 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 is, what does all this mean? What, how is this going to impact me? What does this look like for the future? And it ultimately leads to the one question most people have in their heart, which is, how and when is the world going to end again? Right? So I want to share with you... Um, the, the rest of this, um, kind of where and when, what does this mean for us, and where will it happen and when? These are the words of Jesus. So if you go to, go to your Bible, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jesus is teaching and he's talking and his disciples come to him and, and ask the, the age-old question that you're even asking today, Jesus, when is going to be the end of the age? That whole phrase, end of the age, is basically the same way of asking, when, when's the world going to end? When is, when is your, uh, your kingdom going to be restored? How does all this end? And this is how Jesus responded to them. Okay? Chapter 24, starting in verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, oh, by the way, this is Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives. Quick couple of things. Jesus right here proclaiming the end of time sitting on the Mount of Olives. Jesus, after his resurrection, goes back to the Mount of Olives with his disciples, ascends to heaven, and Scripture tells us later that when Jesus comes back, guess where he's coming? Mount of Olives. All right? Just a, just a little for you. 
As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. Meaning I am the Savior, okay? And will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and these are the beginnings of birth pains. Thank God I've never had to go through birth pains, Uh, but I've, if you know me, I'm weak. I wouldn't handle it, but I've watched my wife do it twice. I have three kids, and you're wondering how that happens. I have twins, Um, and I've watched her go through this. I remember the very first time Katie was pregnant with our oldest son, Jackson. Uh, She was very pregnant, and uh, I remember we were just, it was kind of around the new year. We were watching football, and I went to grab some Chipotle, and I come back. She's like, hey, I'm starting to have contractions. And if, you know, if, you're, if you've had children or you've been around it, you know, I mean, contractions can happen, I mean, sometimes weeks, uh, certainly, you know, days ahead of whatever. And so uh, she starts these contractions and, and then uh, pretty rapidly things progress and she's starting to go through heavier and heavier contractions. The, the heavier they get, the quicker they get, and ultimately it leads to finally the moment. And if you've ever been in the room when this happens, God help them. Lord, help the women. But uh, the last moments are, are heavy and hard, and finally, there's birth giving. I, I want you to have that imagery because this is what Jesus is helping you, the way that Jesus is helping you understand how the end times are going to come about. He's saying that these signs, because here's what you hear. Well, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's all these things happening, and everyone's saying, oh, because of these things, we're in the end times. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? He said that these are what? The signs of the beginning of birth pains, okay? It goes on. Jesus describes a little more. Chapter 24, verse 36, he says, but about that day, okay? So now now Jesus is moving uh, the timeline ahead. He's not talking about the birth pain. He's talking about the day. About that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah. Well, Kenny, how did the Noah thing? (laughs) Here it is. I need you to see, like, this wasn't just my idea to connect Noah to the end of days. This, this is, this, Jesus helped tie this together. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I need you to understand. If you're a believer in the room, I need you to understand. Christ Jesus, who lived a perfect life, God's only Son, died on a cross, paid the price for your sin, was buried three days later, got up out of the grave, walked the earth for 40 days, he ascended into heaven. The promise I need you to understand is one day the Son of Man, the Son of God, will come back. If you're in the room and you're not a believer, I know this sounds crazy to you, but I need you to understand that the Savior, the one who wants to save your soul and give you eternity with him, one day will come back. It's not a threat promise. Verse 38. Uh, I'm go- uh, sorry, verse 39. And they knew nothing. This is, he's talking about what happened in Noah's day. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came 
and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the words of Jesus speaking about when he will come back. And so, by the way, we, we'll, we'll look at all, the, all of the signs, but at the end of the day, here, we're looking, Jesus gave us some indication of when he's coming back, all right? That's what we need to hold on to. So, the question of when, nobody knows. Nobody knows. If you meet someone who tells you they know exactly when Jesus is coming back, rebuke them in the name of Jesus. They are a false teacher and a false prophet. They are lying to you. Take no stock in it. And by the way, the idea of the end of the age has been talked about since when Jesus was still on the earth. The book of James, when you go read the book of James, you want to know what the book of James is about? The book of James is about the tribulation, which is about the end times. In the first century church, they were already talking about the end times. So of course there's no wonder why all of us have these questions. It's very natural. But when someone tells you they know when it's going to happen, it looks real foolish. You don't know how I know? Look at this picture. Found this. There's a book that was written, and it's called this. 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. <laughs> Anybody? What, what year is it right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, 2023. Holy smokes, that was a long time ago. You see what I'm saying? So, listen, we want to be people of the word. We want to try to know and understand as best we can. But when someone tells you they know when Christ is coming back, it, it's, you, just can't, you just can't buy into it, friends. So, so what does that mean for us then, right? So we, we know the answer of when. We don't know. Well, how? What does it look like? Well, that I can give you some information about, all right? So what are some things to look out for? Uh, number one is one of the major signs that we are looking out for is a character, a person, a man, that we will eventually know as the Antichrist, against Christ, okay? This is someone who's going to be on the world stage, and they immediately and originally will be someone who is bringing about peace, okay? They will be a broker of peace. They will be uh, someone who is able to rally nations. In fact, this will be a person who at the end of the days, when you see 10 nations come together and one man kind of helping lead the charge and all of that, pretty heavy sign. You need to know about that, okay? So we're looking for an antichrist, this one person who comes in the name of peace, who has global influence around the world. That will be a sign of the ushering in of the end of the age. Interestingly, this is not going to show up uh, if you have notes, write this down. Uh, interestingly, Revelation, and by the way, can I just... Can I just say this? This is just a pastor pet peeve. Uh, when you talk about uh, the, the book, the last book of the Bible, can, 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 we just, can we just say it's revelation? 
not revelations. <laughs> Sorry, it's just a pet peeve of mine. People talk about revelations. Nah, homie, it was one revelation, and it was written down. Re- revelation. Uh, re- <laughs> Sorry, it's just a little pet peeve of mine. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 6 um, gives us some indication of what the Antichrist will look like. Watch this. Uh, and this is uh, John, the revelator, speaking about the seven seals, the scroll being opened, which is the end of the age, and what it will look like. And he says, I watched as the lamb, the lamb is Christ Jesus, I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse, okay? This white horse is, in essence, the vision of the Antichrist. I looked, and there before me was a white horse, and its rider held a bow. And he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Your God said that he's made a covenant that he won't destroy the world by earth, and he, uh, by water, and he, and he pointed the bow at himself. The sign of aggression, he said, I'm going to, you don't have to worry. Isn't it interesting that the Antichrist will come back carrying a bow, and guess what? He will come claiming to be in peace, but he will come aiming at you. Especially if you are in Christ, if you are a believer, in the end of days, the Antichrist will oppose you, you will be persecuted, you will be snuffed out, and I don't say these things to scare you, I say these things to give you a reality of what will come one day. When? I do not, I do not know. But I want you to see how all of these things tie together, that the Antichrist will be coming back with a bow to conquer. So what are some of the other things? Jesus said there'll be nation against nation. All right, check. We've been seeing that since day one. Kingdom against kingdom. Okay, this is interesting. Remember, I told you in 1948, something really powerful happened. Israel became a nation again. And oh, by the way, this isn't just a a physical kingdom against kingdom. I need you to understand that this is a spiritual kingdom against kingdom as well. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of hope, the kingdom of life, the kingdom of God will consistently be against the kingdom of death, the kingdom of, of darkness, the kingdom of evil. So not only are there physical kingdoms, there are spiritual kingdoms at work and at war here. Famines. We see these happen all the time. Earthquakes. Man, you've heard about them happening, especially uh, Columbia, South Carolina, over the last year has had 40 earthquakes registered. Okay? These are things. These are real. These are, these are, these are signs. All of these signs build up to Christ's return. They are the beginning of the birth pains that lead to Christ's return. And ultimately, I know this isn't very hopeful yet. Hang with me. I'm almost there. Ultimately, at the end of all days, there will be what you and I would consider a world war. But when I say world war in this way, I'm not talking about just a couple of countries. I'm talking about practically the entire world pitted against one another. And this will ultimately lead to a battle that will happen just south of Lebanon in a place, and it will start in a place called Edom. It's in the south part of Lebanon, the very north part of Israel, and it will happen along a ridge there in Israel. This is a a battle that you've heard. It's called Armageddon. 
And this will be where all of the world is converging, all of the nations heading against Israel. And when it looks like all is lost, the heavens will open, the angels of the Lord will come and swoop, and Christ Jesus will come back in that moment. And his people will be taken care of. His people who are found in Christ Jesus will be brought up with him and caught up with him in the sky. Those who have passed before, their bodies will be resurrected in that moment. The the enemies of God will be destroyed in that moment, and Christ Jesus will rule in that moment. And so I just, I need you to hear the reality that, uh, man, your individual life, there are going to be good things and bad things that happen, no doubt. And I don't know how long this journey till the end of days comes, and there's going to be good days and bad days. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes. All that stuff's going to happen. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're at the end of the age. Could we be? Maybe. Here's, here's what I want to do. I, 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 want you to have, I want you to have these some things to hold on to, Okay? I want you to understand, and I want you to have some hope. I want to leave you with some hope, because that all sounds terrible and difficult, and we don't know when it's all going to happen, which makes it even scarier, <laughs> right? But I need you to have some hope, because as I told you, Christ Jesus will come back. I want, to, I want to tell you what the Bible says about that coming back. Here's what it says in Revelation 19, starting in verse 11. I saw heaven standing open. There before me was a white horse. This time, not the Antichrist. This time, Christ Jesus whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, and riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth was a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury, of wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Now, I I know these difficult days can be scary, but the truth is, is that Christ Jesus will come back. And for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, as hard as it may be, we have that one hope to hold on to. We have that truth that Christ is going to come back and he's going to take care of us. So I want to challenge you in the living. Because we don't know. We don't know how long. And so here's what I want to encourage you and challenge you to do. I want you to believe like Christ can come back any moment. Now, I know there are signs and things that we're waiting on and looking for, but the reality is, is that no one knows Christ Jesus can come back any moment. And I want you to believe that in your heart because when you believe that, here's what will happen. You'll live in holiness. You'll live in righteousness. You will be ready and waiting so that the thief won't steal you like the scriptures say. That's how you will believe if you believe Christ can come back any moment. But I want to challenge you. How differently would you live if you believed that but you lived like Christ would not come back in your generation. How differently might you live? 
How many people would you think, I've got time to go tell about Jesus. I've got time to raise up my kids in the ways of the Lord so when they're old, they won't depart from it and they'll tell other people. How differently would we live if we believe he could come back any moment, but we live faithfully for the rest of our days as though he may never come back in our lifetime? I want to challenge you of how differently that might look for you. Hope for the faithful. If you're found in Christ Jesus, you have put your trust in Jesus. Here's what I want to leave you with. Because all that can be heavy, scary. We don't know what's coming. Things look dark and dim. And listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It does. It, it, it's not pretty out there. But for those, in, uh, those of us who are found in Christ Jesus, here's the hope that we have to hold on to for whatever days we have left, and it's found in 1 Thessalonians. I want you to hear this. Now, brothers and sisters, this is uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Sorry, I'll give you a second to get there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. The writer's saying, listen, you don't need to worry about the time, because... Verse 2, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Like, because it's just going to happen. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. Does this sound familiar? Verse 4, but. Oh, I love a good biblical but. (laughs) But. You like that one, didn't you? But you, brothers and sisters, hey, if you're in the room, you're under the sound of my voice, you're a believer in Christ Jesus, hear this, hear this. But for you, brother and sister, you are not in darkness so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day who do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope, the hope, the hope, the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Christ Jesus. He died for us, so that whenever we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Did you hear that? We may live together forever with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just as, in fact, you were doing. We were, uh, we were singing that, that song a, a few minutes ago, Living Hope, and Man, I, I love that song. And um, there, there's this part where it talks about, in essence, Jesus coming out of the grave. It says, out of the darkness roared, uh, out of the silence roared a lion. And a- as we sang that this morning, knowing what I was going to preach to you, I had this, I had this glimpse of the moment 
when out of the silence roars a lion coming back again. And man, like, I, I pray that I do get to see Jesus come back in that moment. I don't want to experience death, honestly. <laughs> but I'm ready. But I had this vision of Christ coming back, and I, I just had this image of his beauty and his majesty and his power. And in that instant, there, there was no worry about the wars and famines and earthquakes and all that stuff because I knew in that, in that, in that vision, like, I had nothing to worry about. It was done. It was like, let's go. I'm home. And if you're a believer in the room, and if God sees fit in our lifetime for Christ to break through the heavens and to come back and receive us, we'll get to experience that incredible moment. And if not, and if he chooses to tarry, because God is faithful, he wants to see more people saved, and if he chooses to, to tarry for generations yet to come, when you breathe your last breath, Paul writes, he says, that to die is the gain. I had a quick little joking moment with a friend last night, and uh, you know we were talking about kind of all the stuff going on, and and uh, and and I made this joke around you know a potential bomb, and I was like, "Here's what you would hear: you'd hear boom, oh hey Jesus, how sweet to know, how sweet to know, believer, that no matter how your end comes, whether Christ Jesus comes back, whether you die peacefully in your sleep at the ripe old age of 99 and three quarters, or for some reason God takes you before all of that, that the moment of your last breath, Scripture says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's your hope. That's the hope you have. So no matter what the world brings us, no matter what comes, you can live with hope that better days for you, not on this earth are coming, but in eternity, better days are coming. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to invite Darren and Kendall, Savannah, to come join me. And I'll, I'll invite the team to lower the lights. And so here, I just want to leave you with this. I know I've gone long today. Your kids are running wild back there. Treehouse kids folks are going to kill me. Super, listen. It's just, it's just a lot of information, and I needed to take some time and, and teach it to you. So thank you for being uh, patient, with, patient with that. If you want to go back and watch it later, take more notes, refer to back to some of the scripture, you can do that. But, but I, I want to leave you with this. Number one is this. Is if you are a believer, at some point in your life, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've received the gift of faith. Uh, over these next few moments, I, I want you to, to think about what it might be like to encounter him one day face to face. Whether that be in the moment of his coming back or whether that be at the moment of your last breath. I want you to maybe take a moment and meditate on how sweet that moment for you will be. The heartache, the difficulty of life, the, the things that you've endured, that in that very moment it will all be made right. How sweet that will be for you. If you're in the room or you're under the sound of my voice and you don't have that hope, you've never put your faith in Jesus, you may, maybe have run away from the church, you've been hurt, you, you, you just, maybe you're just worried about all the other stuff going on in the world, but you have no hope. I want to tell you today that hope is on offer for you. 
That thing that I just told my, my friends and fellow believers about, the thing that they get to look forward to, you don't have right now. But it's actually on offer for you to have today. See, the gift of faith is just that. It is a gift, and it's freely offered to you. But like at Christmas, the gifts are only look good under the tree. At some point, you got to open it. The gift of faith looks like this. Is, is you believing in what you cannot see? Anyone under the sound of my voice, you've never physically seen Christ Jesus. But what he asks of you is to believe that he is God's only son, that he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that if you confess those things, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved. Meaning, you would receive the gift of faith and at the same time inherit the hope of eternity. Friend, I want that for you today. I, I want you to have the hope that I have when I, when I hear about Christ coming back. And no doubt, I'm not gonna stand up here pretending like some of the dark days don't scare me, for sure. I got kids, that junk scares me. I don't wanna endure suffering. I don't want them to endure suffering. But I stand with hope in my heart that no matter what comes, when I see Jesus, none of it will matter. Friend, I want you to have that hope today as well. So I'll invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nothing weird, it's just a sign of reverence. And I'll invite you to, to confess out loud what, what Christ said. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I'm gonna lead our entire church in this prayer so that you may be praying this for the first time. You don't have to feel alone. The prayer is not magical. The prayer simply confesses the posture of your heart. Do you really mean it? I invite you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm lost without you. I need you. Will you forgive me? I believe that you are the son of God. And I believe you were raised from the dead. Will you save me? Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for the gift of hope. Now help me walk the rest of my days trusting you the best I know how. Friend, in sincerity, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you truly put your trust in Jesus, you carry with you now the hope of eternity, the gift of faith that one day you will meet Christ Jesus, you will be found blameless, and he will say, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. And so as we end today, I just want us to, to go back to that beautiful old hymn that we, that we sang earlier. And uh, I'll invite you to over these moments as we sing it that you would just meditate on where we've been and where we are and what's still yet to come and the hope that Christ gives you in all of that. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll sing. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the warning, but we thank you even more for the hope of what to, what's to come. We thank you for the gift of Jesus and the salvation he brings us. God, I thank you for anyone in the room who may have put their trust in you today. We celebrate that. We know the heavens are rejoicing. And so, Father, we bless you right now in the name of Jesus. God, we can't wait for Jesus to come back. 
We look forward to him coming back to receive us. But God, no matter how and when, we look forward to meeting you face to face. And so we pray and we sing these things to honor and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, let's sing. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.